Good morning, Impact City. Good morning. It is so good to see you today, and it's exciting to welcome you. I'm going to invite you to please sit for just a few moments. So today is Baptism Sunday, and we are so excited. We have a few signed up, and we're excited for the celebration. I do want to say that your children, just as last month, if you were not here, I'll recap it. Last month, everyone in our kids' ministry will move our children out, and they'll be able to witness the baptisms, and you'll be able to take them from there. So please do make sure that you have your tag, your receipt, um, to be able to leave from there. So we're going to be here in the parking lot. It's the north parking lot from, of the youth building. It's right, to, uh, right behind us, right in front of you. So we're excited for that, um, and we're excited to be here today. So what I'm going to talk to you about today, what I'm going to share with you is, is going, we're going to kick off a series for the next few weeks. Last Sunday, I spoke to you about Stuck in the Middle, and I talked to you about how we're not who we used to be, but have we truly obtained everything that God has for us in his divine purpose? It's not about what we have wanted for ourselves, but it's truly asking and saying, God, what do you have for me? And reaching our full potential in him. I built off of that this past Wednesday for First Wednesday and talked about how everything that God had said came to pass. Some experienced it, some didn't. The difference was faith. The difference was their ability to say, you know what, if God said it, it has to be true. And we're going to possess the land. We're going to take hold of what God has for us. And what I want for you as a body of believers, as Impact City Church, is for us to collectively embrace all that God has for us. All that God has for you spiritually, all that God has for you and your family, all that God has for everything that you are involved in. I don't know about you, but I don't want one thing less. I want to maximize my potential in God and say, God, I, whatever it is that you have for me, I want it all. I don't want to miss out on anything because of me. I don't want to miss out on anything because I said, no, I don't think God could do it for me. I want to embrace. I want to grab a hold of. I want to hug. I want to take everything that God has for me, and I want it for you. And that's why we're going to kick off a series today that is going to allow us to look at some uh, practical biblical principles because, as I mentioned, I've talked to you about let's embrace it. Let's take everything that God has for us. But how do we do that? How do we do that? I'm glad you asked. Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Everything is in the Version app. If you do not have it, I encourage you to download it. It looks something like this. And only if you have like 2010 vision, you'll be able to see it. But if you go to um, events, so when you go to the homepage, if you go right here to events and you type in Impact City Church, it will be right there. You'll have the scripture. It'll have... Um, the opportunity for you to enter your notes. There's even reflection questions. No, you don't have to turn them in for homework, but it's walking away from here saying, this is a word that excites me on Sunday, but it also helps me live on Monday. Amen? It's also going to help me live on, t on Tuesday. And for some of us, it may be uh, it, it may not be where we're at in life, but you'll be able to take some tools and some resources from this and be able to share this with someone that you know. Because all of us in this place have a friend, have a coworker, have someone that we come in contact with 
frequently that needs more of Jesus. And I'm just, uh, I'm appreciative. This study originated with the Church of the Highlands, and I want to give, you know, I I give them credit for this because it is just some resources that they have provided for churches all throughout the United States that want to continue to grow and, and be who we are. So Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, and then we're going to jump to 16 and 17. As I mentioned, everything is here for you. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord commanded the man, he's speaking to Adam, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Amen. So you're, before you start thinking, man, that's a great story and we understand it to be history I challenge you to believe a little bit further with me this morning that there is an application, that there is a real-life application in it for us right here in this moment. So the question that, that I want to pose to you is, what is your approach to God? What is your approach to God? How do you view your relationship with Him? Do you view it as something that you find pleasure in, something that you enjoy, or is it more of just a religious requirement for you? Your approach determines everything. Your approach determines everything. You could, everybody in this place today, there could be one person that walks out saying, that was an incredible service. I felt God's presence. The word was timely. And in the same service, somebody could walk out saying, I I didn't receive anything from it. Church is what you make it, just like everything in life is what you make it. Um, Just when you look at the rain that's coming down, you can have the rain and you can have somebody just staring and glazing at it and saying, this is so incredible to, to be able to witness this and to be able to see the rain come down and to be able to view it as a blessing from God while um, you have somebody that just all of hates, hates the rain, hates the rain. Um, my, my sweet wife um, and I, we have two different approaches to working out. She, um, we both could do the same workout, and for me, it's a burst of energy. Uh, but for her, you would have thought she just finished fighting in World War III. It's, it is two different approaches. And you're in the same, you're, you have the same view. And that's why you have some Christians that will say, I love Jesus, and I love to serve him, and I get to do what I get to do in church. When I serve on the team, when I get to do different things, it's a delight for me because I love Jesus. But then you have others that view it as work and say, oh, is it my time again? Is it my time? And just with that, it is with everything in life. So how you're doing, what you're doing is more important than what you're doing. So your approach to God is more important than this word that I'm going to share with you today. Your approach is more important than what I'm going to share. Because as I mentioned, you could walk out of here with something that is going to revolutionize your life, or you can walk out of here saying, that was not anything for me. So ultimately, 
when we have this approach, when we have a positive approach, we will be able to impact those who we come in contact with. Because if you, whether you like it or not, as a Christian, you are, we are a billboard for God. We are a billboard for God. And I want to say I'm not a good billboard for God if I'm always complaining. I'm not a good billboard for God if I'm always struggling, if I'm always just having a negative mindset, a negative attitude. But isn't it awesome when you're able to identify Christians because of the, the smile that they have, because of the spring that they have in their step, because of the joy that is just being able to be exhibited in their life, that they'll be able to say, there's something different about you. There's something different about you. And, and it just, without you even having to say anything, it opens the door for you to say, I know someone has name is Jesus. He changed my life. He walked into my life when I was down and out. And the way he changed my life, he can change your life also. It is just so incredible that God could use our body language. God could use your smile. God could use your words. God could use your gestures while in the different moments of life to be able to open up a door for you to share his goodness and for you to share his love. And I want to be a good billboard for God that people could see my life and people could see our life and they could say, you know what, there's something different about you. What, what is it? I, I just, I can't pinpoint it. I can't put my thumb on it. But then that allows you to say, Jesus, it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. It ultimately impacts because how you view the Christian walk is you can either endure it and just say, I'm, I'm making it. It's, I'm taking up my cross and I'm going. Or you can enjoy it and say, isn't it so incredible to know Jesus? Isn't it so incredible to be able to do life with other believers and to come into an agreement with other believers? So where are you at today? Do you, are you enduring this or are you enjoying this? Because being a Christian is not going to church. We are the church. It's about having a relationship with him. It is about having a rela relationship with him. It's not about coming and checking off the boxes and saying, I did this, I did that, I came to church here. But it's about all the time that I can come into this house and, and I lift up my hands to praise him and I lift up my hands to worship him as the song is playing. But when I leave here and I'm on my way to the restaurant that I could still sing along with Caleb and I could still sing along with the song that is playing on my playlist. It's, it's about washing the dishes on Tuesday afternoon and being able to sing a the goodness of God, and it's about enjoying time with him. He is accessible. The Bible tells us that he is accessible to us, that we have a high priest that can be touched. He is accessible to you. So what is stopping us from fully enjoying life as a Christian versus just enduring it? What is stopping us? Two approaches. In the second story of the Bible, you remember it in the books that we have seen, it, you, you'll see a picture of the serpent, you'll see a picture of Adam and Eve, and you'll see an apple that is usually bitten. And for years, theologians have argued if it is an apple because it just says the fruit. But because we want to know specifics, we want to know specifics, we always have to know what, what it was, what it was that took place. It's just like when things, when tragedies happen, we want, we ask what happened. We, we really want to know the details of what is taking place. And theologians have argued, is it an apple? It, it really doesn't matter if it was an apple or if it was a pear. What matters is the disobedience that was present. Why is this important? Because we like to categorize sin and we like to, to view other in times and say, 
at least I'm not doing that, and at least I'm not there. But, but all sin is sin in the eyes of God, and we all need to get away. Starting with me, we all need to move away from the disobedience and looking into coming to the obedience of Christ. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every imagination and every thought that rises itself, and, and to bring every thought into the obedience. There's that word again Paul, that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians, to the obedience of Christ. So the second story of the Bible lets us know that we have a choice because the Lord made all the trees. He made the trees that were coming up from the different areas. He made the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil, and he also made the tree of life. And which tree did Adam and Eve eat out of, and which tree that you and I partake from or participate in is a choice that we have, that you can do it, everything that we do in church, you can do it out of life or you can do it out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So what does that mean? So because necessarily when you look at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it's pursuing something good, but it's using your knowledge base, but it's using the information that you have to be able to make a decision. It's, it's the difference between a learned behavior versus a life-giving environment. A learned behavior and a life-giving environment. What does that mean? I grew up in church where a lot of the behavior was learned, and you had to do a certain thing, and you had to, to look a certain way, and you had to go to church a certain amount of time. You had to read your Bible a certain amount of time. You had to report how many chapters you read in Sunday school. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. And you would, there you were Sunday morning reading as many as you could right before they asked the question because you didn't want to be the one that said goose egg. You would read, and you would read the shortest chapters. You know what I'm talking about, the book of Psalms. You know, some of those shorter chapters, that way you could at least say, I read, I read five chapters. It was a lot of learned, learned behavior that, that it was just more out of duty and not so much out of delight. It's just like when you started praying and you would pray for 30 minutes and you would pray for 45 minutes and it was something that you enjoyed just because you got to be in his presence. But then when you don't pray that same amount of time, you start thinking, man, it, it's really not a good prayer time if I don't hit a certain mark. When that is not the, the case. It is not just about doing things for the sake of doing things, but it's about loving Jesus with our whole heart and letting everything else spill out of that. It's about having him as our priority. It's about him. Because the truth is you can force behavior. You can force behavior. You, if you're a parent in this place, you know what it's like to force behavior. If you can remember your childhood, you can remember what it's like to be forced into doing something. I'm only doing it because I have to do it. I have to do it. I'll never forget my dad. I was 14 years old, and, and I, we had church revival. Anybody grow up going to church revival Friday, Saturday, Sunday? And sometimes if, if it was good, I, I, there was even a time where they extended it to... Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But I remember I wanted to go watch the Lyford Bulldogs play because it was the first home football game, but there was tent revival, and I could not miss it. And I remember I was getting dressed to go to the game, and my dad stops me and says, where do you think you're going? Uh, he saw the way I was dressed. I said, I'm going to the football game. He goes, oh, no, you're not. He goes, you're going to church. Um, I'm grateful for that, but can you imagine the attitude that I had at that church service? 
You've been there. The attitude that we have because it was a forced behavior. I was forced to be there. But how awesome it is when it's not to be forced to be there. How awesome it is when you can wake up with your own strength and say, I want to go to church and I want to serve God and I want to do it because I want to do it. He said, Jesus, or the Lord told Adam and Eve, if you eat of that tree, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it, you will surely die. He was not talking about a physical death. He was talking about a spiritual death. He was talking about a death that they were going to experience together as husband and wife. It was a death that would spill into their children and into generations to come because of a decision that they made to say, you know what, I'm going to pursue the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was a spiritual death. And in Genesis chapter 3, here comes the devil. And because the truth is he can't attack you physically, he's not going to walk in through those doors, but he attacks us mentally. He attacks us mentally. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord, has, the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that? Isn't it interesting that our enemy will always question what God says? Did God really tell you that he was going to heal you? Did God really tell you that he was going to give you a peace that would surpass all understanding? Did God really tell you that when you go through the fire that he will be with you? And when you go through the waters, he will be with you? Because the truth is sometimes I feel alone, but I don't live based off of emotions. I don't live based off of feelings. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. I have to know whether I feel God close to me or not. I have to know that his word has already said it. And because he said it, it is true. Amen. Amen. Somebody in this place today is going to leave encouraged because you say, is God really close to me? Well, his word says it, so it has to be true. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. He is not a man that he should lie, but the grass withereth and the flower fades, but his word remains forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away before one of his words will pass. He attacks us mentally. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said. He's a good liar. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. They were naked the whole time, but yet it was not until they ate from the tree that they realized it. So this... So they sewed fig, fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The enemy did not force them to do that. They made a choice. Have you ever made a choice that has had some negative consequences? Have you ever made a choice that you surely regret? And you, you say, hindsight is twenty twenty. And if I could do it all over again, I would do it some, some way different. Adam and Eve believed the lie that the enemy spoke, they themselves reached for that fruit. They themselves took a bite out of it. Nobody forced them to do it. What lies have we believed? What lies have we believed? When Joseph's brothers 
I've shared this with you before. They made his father, Jacob, made him a coat of many colors. And Joseph's brothers could not stand that. So what they did is they stripped him of that coat. They killed an animal. They took the animal's blood. They splattered it on the coat. They took it back to Jacob. And they said, isn't this Joseph's coat? Notice they never said Joseph is dead. They never said something terrible happened to Joseph. The question was, is this Joseph's coat? Jacob looked at the coat, said, yes, it is, looked at the blood that was splattered on it. They didn't have CSI labs at that time. He looked at it and said, yes, this is Jacob's coat. He himself jumped to the conclusion and said, my, my son Joseph is dead. How many times do we piece evidence together? How many times do we look at circumstances and be able to look at it and say, you know what, it must be this. Uh, I'll, I'll make it a little bit relatable to you. Uh, everybody knows WebMD, and you look at the symptoms that you are experiencing, and by the time you know it, you are dead, you are sick with something terminal just based off of what you're feeling and based off of what you're reading, and we automatically jump to conclusions based off of that information. What lies have we believed for our families and for our spiritual well-being? What lies have we believed for our families and for our careers and for our finances? What lies have we just taken pieces of evidence and said it, it must be so. What lies are we believing? Adam and Eve believed the lie. And this is where we look at, they had the choice. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, do more to get to God. That was, that was the word. If you do it, your eyes shall be like him. Your eyes shall be like him. So do more to get to God. It's more, it, it is more, when you look at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it's more about what I can do. What can I do to get closer to God? What can I do to serve him more? What can I do to be able to just gain points in heaven and to get some more pearls on my crown? What can I do more to earn his love? What can I do more to earn his approval? And it's based on performance. And that right there, my brothers, my sisters, that is a lie because it's not about performance. It is not about performance. It is about God's love towards us. This is, this is liberating for me because I can't try to do more. I can't try to perform for God and try to do this because the truth of the matter is that it's exhausting and it's frustrating because nothing seems to be enough and we're always seeking to do more when we do it out of this approach because it's not about what we can do because the tree of life tells us receive the fact that Jesus has already done it for you. He's already done it for you. There is nothing that you could do to make him love you more, and there's nothing that you could do to make him love you less. It is not up to you. It is up to him who has had mercy on us and who has loved us with a love that is beyond anything that we could imagine. He loved me enough. That, that right there is just enough for me to, to raise my head and to say, you know what, God, I'm grateful because if I do something, I'm going to do it for you. But if if I don't do it, it doesn't change the reality that you loved me. You loved me enough. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and he told them this. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. What was the Pharisees' approach? That I, because I have the Bible in my hands. 
I have it made. Because I have the Bible in my hands. It was the goal, like I mentioned, was reading the chapters. But it was not finding Jesus in the chapters. Because you can know the word of God, but do you know the God of the word? Do you know the God of the word? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, keep trying to get God's approval and your view of God determines this approach. But the tree of life says, receive the fact that he already loves you. On your worst day, he loves you. In your worst failure, he loves you. On your worst poor choice, he loves you. He may not love what we do, but he loves you. It's comparable to the love of a father. You, you love your child regardless of what they do. They don't always make us happy, and they don't always make us proud. But we still love them. And if we could love like that as humans, how much more could our heavenly father love us? The love of a father. This is incredible right here, what Paul says. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners... While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get it all together. He didn't wait for you to put everything in order. He didn't wait for you to have all your T's crossed and for you to have all your I's dotted. No, while we were still sinners, while I was still strung out, while I was still with my poor habits, while I was still with my bad choices and my proclivities and my sins, in the midst of all of that, think of all the filth that we have been through in our lives or you have been through individually while you were in in that state, he still loved you. And he said, I love you so much that I, I, I'm coming to die for you, that you could have eternal life, that you could rise up from the ashes of, of defeat, from the ashes of poor choices, and have a new hope in the God that loves us. In our sin, in our sin, he died for us. The tree of knowledge of good and evil says obey out of duty, but then the tree of life says obey out of delight. Are you enjoying what you're doing? And if you're not, today is, can be the first day where you make a choice to move in that direction to say, I'm not just going to come to church for the sake of coming to church. I'm not just going to read the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible, but I want to know Jesus more. I want to have a, I want to have a deeper relationship with him. I, wanna, I want to fill the void that is in my life that can't be filled with the material possessions of this world. I want to fill the void in my life that can't be, that can't be fulfilled by being promoted in my work. I, I need Jesus to come. Every single one of us was born with that void that, that we need Jesus in us to be able to set us free and to be able to deliver us and to be able to go through life, enjoying life, not because of what we have or what we don't have, because at the end of the day, we have Jesus. And if we have Jesus, we have everything. Come on, Impact City Church. We're going to rise above the situations that have held us hostage and have held us captive. The thoughts that have told us you're not good enough. No, we'll never be good enough. I'm not here because I'm good. I'm here because he's good. I'm not here because I'm worthy. I'm here because he's worthy. Come on, Impact City Church. We're going to rise above the generational curses that have been passed from generation to generation and say it stops with me. I am a new creature in Christ. 
Christ, and he who the Son says free is free indeed. My children will be blessed because of choices I make. My grandchildren will be blessed because of choices I make. It doesn't matter what granddaddy did. It doesn't matter what daddy did. What matters is we have an opportunity today to rise in Christ and say, I am more than a conqueror through him that saved me. I have eternal life because of who he is. Bless his high name. All right. I'm, hallelujah. So we have a response and we have a choice. We have the tree of life. We have the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But we have the responses. What is the first response? There's four. You have to fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Can you tell yourself that? Fall in love with Jesus. When you fall in love with somebody, you do things because you want to please the other person. You do it just without even being asked. Here's your coffee in bed, sweetheart. Or here's your menudo in bed, sweetheart. You do things because you love the person. And it's not, man, I have to do it again. It's not out of obligation, but it's because I, I just love the person. I just love the person. Fall in love with Jesus. This is what the Bible says. If you love me, you will obey what I command you to do. You see both trees here. Because we look at life sometimes as having these rules and having some obligations and, and making sure that we do these things. But, but what he was truly saying is if you love me, Jesus was saying, if you love me, you'll be able to obey my commandments. You'll be able to do it simply because you love me. And when you love someone, as I mentioned, you, you learn what they like and what they don't like. It's not that we're, that we're perfect, but we're working towards a picture of who we want to be because we want to please this person. When I love Jesus, it's not a drag to come to church. When I love Jesus, it's not a drag to serve on a ministry team. When I love Jesus, it's just because I love him. I'm not here because I have to be here. I get to be here. There's people in other countries wishing that they have the privilege that you and I had to be able to come into a house and to be able to enter his gates with thanksgiving and through his courts with praise and to know that he is God and that he made us and that we didn't make ourselves. There, there's people that, that wish they had the privilege that we did. And it's just out of delight that we should be here. You can fulfill the commandments of the Bible better by falling in love with God rather than trying to obey everything. And I don't know about you, but many of the times I've just had a checklist. I grew up having a checklist of saying, this is what I have to do, this is what I have to do. And there was an, em there was an emphasis on requirements and not relationship. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Second thing, you serve God 
through relationship, not rules. The Bible says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come to abolish them. I have not come to abolish them, but I have come to fulfill them. It is through me, Jesus said. When you strengthen your relationship, when you strengthen your life by relationship and not rules, there's just a change that takes place on the inside. Fall in love with Jesus. The third thing, you respond to all sin with life. We have a choice. How are, we, how are we responding to the sin that happens in our life? Because making a decision to serve him, making a decision to walk with him is not a life free of trouble and free of circumstances. But in that, I, have, I can respond Negative thoughts still come your way. Temptation still comes your way, but I can respond to that with life. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we mess up, condemnation brings shame and brings guilt, but Conviction then arrives, and conviction says, yes, you messed up, but here is the way out. Yes, you messed up, but you can get up again. The Bible says that the just falls seven times, but seven times he gets back up again. It's been ever since the Old Testament. There's, there's stumbles, there's people who fall, there's obstacles. You can get back up again. Condemnation, once again, brings shame, but conviction says, you know what? Yes, you messed up, like I mentioned, but this is the way out. And the last thing is you guard your heart from going back. The worship team will join me. You guard your heart from going back. What does that mean? Going to the tree of life and being in love with Jesus. Then you have to guard yourself from taking a step in the direction taking one step forward and taking three steps back. What is my, so think of this. The first question that I asked, what is your approach? What is your approach? You can make a choice. We can make a choice all the time to choose life. So what does that mean? That when temptation comes, I make a choice. I choose life. When that bad habit tries to sneak up on me, you know, the one that we can conquer for weeks at a time, even months at a time, but then it comes back and stares at us right in the face. When that comes back, that we choose life. That we choose life. That I don't try to, to do it out of performance, but that I do it. That I say, Jesus, I love you too much to be doing that. I love you too much to be caught up in that. Why, how, how could I be living a life of defeat? How could I be living a life of shame, having, having the opportunity to make a choice to choose life? I don't have to live with guilt because of who he is, because he, he took my guilt. He was wounded for my transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. I have to make a choice. This is what the Bible says in Deuteronomy. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you 
that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. You have the choice. We have the choice. And then it says this, now choose life. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Our decisions impact our families, but they also impact those around us. And I want to choose life today because I haven't always chosen life. I make an active decision to choose life today because I haven't always chosen life. And maybe that's your story today also, that sometimes it's become just about rules and being so regiment and, and having all these performance-based standards. But what about Jesus? What about Jesus? That I could just say, Jesus, I choose you. That I choose you because your word says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and then everything else shall be added unto you. I choose you because your word says that if I delight in you, delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart when they're according to your will, that if I choose today to say, Jesus, I choose you above all else. I, I want to fall in love with you. Now choose life. So when you're when you're confronting trouble and when you're confronting problems and when you leave here today and, and your spouse wants to get in an argument with you, choose life. When your children are acting crazy, choose life. When your boss is being annoying, choose life. In every circumstance, in every situation, I have a choice on how I respond. I don't always have a choice on the cards that are dealt to me, but I have a choice in how I respond and say, Jesus, I'm going to you. Jesus, I'm not just going to you about spiritual things. I'm going to go to you about everything. I need you in everything. I choose life. I choose life. There's some questions there that I want you to just reflect on this week. As we progress to a new life in Christ, there's some questions there. But in this moment, I want to pray for someone who has not, you've never had the opportunity and the privilege to accept Jesus as your Savior. And on this day, you say, Jesus, I choose life. Jesus, I choose you. And maybe you're on, you've been on the fence about baptism. We have a shirt for you. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. You can make a decision today that can change the path that you have had in life. I choose life. So I want to invite you to close your eyes right where you're at. I want to invite you to bow your head. If this is you, and today you say, I say, yes, Jesus, I, I receive you in my heart. I want to invite you to just with every eye closed to raise your hand right where you're at. I see you. Today is the day. Today is the day. Right now, we're going to pray this prayer together. I'm going to invite everybody at the sound of my voice to pray with me. Dear Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and making a way for me to come to God. I receive this extravagant gift 
and ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I give you all of me and ask you to turn my life around. Fill me with your spirit and help me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we give God some praise for everybody that received him today? I want to invite you to stand. I want to pray for you before we leave and before we head into our baptisms. I want to pray for you and I want to give you the opportunity to say right now, today, God, I choose life. I choose life over everything that has come against me, over everything that has tried to distract me, everything that has tried to distort my concept of who you are, I choose life over that. And I just want to fall in love with you more and more and more. So I'm going to invite you right there where you're at. Close your eyes. We're going to enter a moment of worship, and if you feel to come to this altar, you're welcome to do so. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and to pray with you. But right now, Father, in this moment, Father, in this moment, we make an act of choice. We make an intentional decision to choose you, to choose you. Our lives haven't always been perfect. Sometimes we've fallen more than we care to admit, God, but we thank you for the opportunity that you give us today to get back up again, to get up on our feet. We thank you that you're a God that sees us in the miry clay and that you can reach down to the point of life that we are at right now and pick us up and place our feet on solid ground. Right now, Jesus, we declare that we will choose life. We declare, God, we make a decision in this moment, right now, in this time, that we choose you over the circumstances of life. We choose you over the problems, or we choose you over everything that right now is trying to distract us right now god we just put our focus on you and we just put our focus on worshiping you we put our focus on who you are we put our focus on loving you and lifting you up we put our focus on magnifying you and glorifying you and you alone jesus right now i am sorry god that i have not always chosen the tree of life god we repent from from uh, from choosing the tree of knowledge of good and evil god we we repent from from thinking that it is just a performance that what we have to do God we repent and God right now we make a decision and we make a turn in our lives to say God I'm gonna choose today just as your word encourages me just as your word reminds me just as your word challenges me I choose life that I may live and that my children may live and that you would heal our land and that you would forgive our sins and that you would be glorified God, help us, God, to always exhibit your love and help us uh, always to demonstrate who we are in you. God, let people see us and let our light shine through, uh, through what we do. God, let us be the light of the world and let us be the salt of the earth. God, we thank you today for new beginnings. 
Yes, yes, I thank you today for new beginnings. It doesn't matter how I lived my life up until this point. I'm grateful, God, for the opportunity to start over in you. I'm grateful for the opportunity for new hope and new vision and new dreams. I thank you today, God. I thank you today for life, and I glorify you for it in this moment. In Jesus' name, let's worship him together. Let's worship him together.